Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler, Dr. Kathy Greenberg. My esteemed host for the last 14 years is, is here. And, you know, between Kathy and I, we have helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. We're always looking for cutting-edge tools, tips that can help you and can help the team that you're leading. And you can always go to our website that we have, Kathy and I, uh, to get our ebook. 11 Reasons Why You Need Emotional Intelligence. And we have today Christian Espinoza, who also is an advocate of emotional intelligence. We're really excited to have uh, him here. And let me say a little bit about Christian, and then we'll bring on uh, Kathy to, to be able to move us forward. So what do we know about uh, Christian and, and being able to talk about today the title of this is The Tolerance of High IQ, Low EQ Staff is Crippling Cybersecurity in Other Technical Industries. Christian wrote a book that we'll tap into, The Smartest Person in the Room. He's an entrepreneur, founder of Alpine Security, and a white hack, hacker. He's certified performance coach, professor, and a lover of heavy uh, metal music and spicy food. He is an Air Force veteran, an Ironman triathlete, and used to be this, trying to be the smartest person in the room. And so we're going to talk to him, you know, about that. Uh, a couple other things about uh, Christian that he uh, talks about being this ego-driven person in the world of security, and he's done 23 Ironman, 300 skydives. 200 scuba dives. This is all from his website. So I'm really interested to hear from Christian. And so, uh, Kathy, welcome to our show today. Thanks, Riley. I think today is going to be a little bit of a different program. Uh, first of all, uh, I think Christian brings a, a different perspective than most of our coaches in the cybersecurity area. We know this is a main area of sensitivity and uh, Quite frankly, um, it's a fragile place uh, for the world these days. As we know, that's where most people are going to fall into traps. uh, And you can see it every day in your email. Uh, So many people are trying to use all kinds of hacks to get you to just tap into whatever it is they think uh, they're going to get from you. But I do want to make sure that everybody knows uh, that we are always excited to share everything we have at www.emotionalbrains.com. As Relly said, we are, we're putting out pretty much a free ebook a month. And uh, we're going into the fall season here with 11 reasons why you need emotional intelligence. But of course, it's all built on our book, Emotional Brilliance, Living a Stressless, Fearless Life. And please make sure that you spread the wealth to all your friends and give them the gift 
of seven days of unlimited access to our site. And you can go to eblifebook backslash academy and get lots of information there. And, of course, those of you who've been with us for, gosh, almost 15 years, you know that Relly and I have been colleagues uh, doing this work on leadership development news together. It seems like just yesterday, to be honest with you, we've always had a great time together, and we love, 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 love our guests. And uh, Relly is a thought leader in many areas, but specifically uh, emotional intelligence and executive coaching and positive psychology. And many of you have learned from him firsthand. He's a master level certified coach. He is a psychologist and a corporate leadership and team trainer working with organizations and healthcare companies. Uh, Recently, uh, he put out a book on physician burnout uh, and, uh, of course, you know his mainstay that is pretty much uh, what everybody keeps on their nightstand these days, and that is leading with emotional intelligence. So we're excited to talk to Christian today. I think all of us have suffered at one point or another from being the smartest person in the room, and quite frankly, in a cyber environment, nobody really cares anymore. It's who has the information that others want that makes them the smartest and most important person in the room. Relly, anything you want to say before we bring Christian? Yeah, let me just say a you know, kind of word about you, and then we'll just jump right into Christian. So I've been uh, uh, pleased to work with Kathy over all these years. Our book, uh, Emotional Brilliance, is a, is a bestseller. Kathy uh, has an incredible expertise in working with the, the military working with uh, law enforcement, so I'm sure she's all excited to, to hear a little bit more and tap into what we have with Christian, but Kathy is the author of nine books, and you know, one of the key ones is Fearless Leaders, Sharpen Your Focus, now uh, and working with you know, SWAT and Special Forces. So you can get a lot of the information from both Kathy and I at our website, like Kathy said, www eb life book slash academy there you can find the download and, and all the um, free things that you can get as you check out our website so christian welcome to the show yeah thanks Relly and kathy i'm glad to be here so we're really excited you got a great uh background but tell us a little bit about for our audience you know just to kind of about your background we alluded to some but you know and then Who's kind of influenced you the most? We're always trying to get, when we talk about leadership, you know, who are some of the leaders that have been influential for you? Yeah, so my background, uh, I used to be in the military. I went to the Air Force Academy, so I was in the Air Force for a while, and I've pretty much been involved with cybersecurity since I graduated college, uh, which was 1993. So from the military to a DOD contractor to commercial work, freelance work, and then starting my own company in 2014, Alpine Security. And then I sold my company in 2020 to Cerberus Sentinel. So I still work now for the parent company. But throughout that journey, uh, you know, I've, I've connected a lot of dots. Uh, when I had my own company, through some of the experiences I had with my highly technical staff that didn't have the emotional intelligence and the problems around that. And I was able to really... Uh, 
you know, write a book about that and, and fix some of those challenges in my organization. Um, so Christian, yeah, I just wanted yeah. to ask you when you when you think about um, who've in, influenced you, who what influenced you? You've got a great career. Uh, many of us know in, in both the military, law enforcement, and even in the civilian world. You know, we come across some leaders in our lives that really leave a mark. Can you think of anybody who really gave you that kind of that push to become who you are? Yeah, there's a, I don't know if there's a single person. I, I've done a lot of personal development work. Uh, a lot of it with Tony Robbins and with the Landmark Forum. Uh, you know, I've read a lot of books, uh, like Extreme Ownership is one of my uh, favorite books. Uh, I reference that in my book, uh, David Goggins' book, Can't Hurt Me. So I've been, you know, influenced by quite a few people. Uh, the Big Leap by Gay Hendricks, you know, for instance. So I, I wouldn't say there's a single person. I would I'd say it's a, a combination of a lot of people. So um, in your book, this idea of the smartest person in the room, one of the things that we have as uh, on our site, we have this thing called the derailleur detector. And one of the key derailers is exactly that, is the smartest person in the room syndrome. So maybe say a little about kind of how that crystallized for you um, and that you wrote a book about it, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, in cybersecurity and in other highly technical industries, uh, people get their significance by by how smart they are. All of us want to feel significant. So that shows up in my industry, cybersecurity, by people trying to be the smartest person in the room. And that typically is with high IQ, low EQ, as I like to refer to them, you know, people that are super intellectually smart, very technically smart, but lack the emotional intelligence. And the, the, the problem with that, because we like to think, you know, having the smartest person in the room is a good thing. But from my experience, it's not because the problem is it, it, it inhibits communication and collaboration. Because if you're always trying to be smarter than someone, and that's your ego trying to protect that identity you created for yourself, then you're going to tend to talk over someone's head um, and then complain that they don't understand what you're saying. And this is a, a challenge we see it all the time in cybersecurity. And then with your coworkers, from a collaboration standpoint, if you're trying to position yourself as being smarter than your coworkers, uh, it causes some challenges there too because a coworker may not want to bring something up out of fear of being ridiculed uh, or fear of talk, being talked down to. So this is, you know, one of the, I believe, the root, the root reason we're losing the cyber war. We've got plenty of technology. We have plenty of frameworks and we keep trying all these things that aren't really working uh, we just keep trying them over and over but we we have have neglected to address the root issue which is the people and you know the smartest person in the room syndrome as you refer to you know it's hard for us sometimes when we are quote unquote subject matter experts to step back from that role, Christian, and, and you know, in the Air Force, um, that's dictated sometimes by rank, not really what somebody's area of expertise is. And 
one of the things that I'm sure our audience is thinking about is why is it that highly trained, highly skilled, highly educated people in the course of their career don't see, don't start to sense when they're being the smartest person in the room at the risk of their own value, right? The risk of their own credibility. Yeah, I, I, that, that's, a, that's a good point. And even through my own journey, it took me a while to realize uh, I was at a glass ceiling. Uh, you know, they call it a glass ceiling because you can't see it. Um, but my, my desire to be the smartest person in the room and not embrace emotional intelligence was actually holding me down. And I, ha- I, I don't really know if I fully understood that until I had some defining moments. I have my own business, and I realized it from a different perspective. Uh, but it's, I, I think, in le- at least in cybersecurity, the, the reason this is problematic is it's, it's tolerated. And, and we don't really talk about it too much. We, we sort of like embrace it as just as just part of the culture that if you're super smart intellectually, you're just not good with people. And we sort of like make it out to be like those two things are mutually exclusive. Like you can't be technical and good with people. And we've tolerated this for so long that I, I think it's, it's, it's become a problem. And I'm a believer that you get what you tolerate. So in order to shift the culture you know, we have to undo some of the things that we've allowed to exist and persist for so long. So, so Christian, um, yeah. looking at the website. I was just going to add, yeah, just let me add this one little thing, um, Christian, uh, just for a giggle here before we get serious. So all of us <laughs> okay. have watched these television shows like Quantico or CSI. Or, and it's interesting, right, that the person who plays the cyber expert is always a little wacky, has very few Mm -hmm. interpersonal skills, but is key to the group. So you can see where those personality types have actually become an icon, right? So why change, you know? I mean, I'm just being hypothetical here, but just so that our our audience can relate to this type of of character, um, i just putting that out there. No, I, I, I appreciate that. And, and we have stereotyped it, and we've made it almost like, you know, like you said, iconic to, to play this specific role. And in, in real life, not just on CSI, we, we have the same types of personalities, uh, and they inhibit teamwork uh, because in, 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 on television, you know, the, the, most of the shows, there's a success. So the, the, the teamwork's going to work somehow, and they figure out how to work with this person. But... In real life, from my experience, I've got like 27, almost 28 years of experience in, in cybersecurity, really. These personalities hinder our ability to win the cybersecurity war and to, uh, you know, fight the cyber criminals, basically, or accomplish other highly technical missions. Uh, and it's, it's like, I think we've embodied it that this is just accepted behavior but it's not moving us forward. And, and, and the reason, we can just look at the news, for instance, in cybersecurity, uh, there's a new data breach every single day, and just when we think there can't possibly be a bigger one, you know, the, tomorrow there's a bigger one. 
So what we're doing is not working. And the thing we've neglected to address is this high IQ, low EQ challenge. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't think the average person in our audience realizes we have over 900 threats a day combined. That's physical and cyber. So it's hard for people to imagine that there are people that don't have emotional intelligence who are helping us to fight these risks. But anyway, let's let Raleigh get a word in edgewise here. <laughs> <laughs> well, so with this, what we're talking about, uh, Christian, so the technical expertise seems to be the most obvious. And like Kathy's saying, then, then they're promoted. You're saying that. Um, what's missing, and it may be from your own life, that you say um, we need the emotional intelligence? Because from the outsiders, like, well, okay, that's nice. Emotional intelligence, obviously we believe in it, but what does that have to do with the technical solution? So what's missing when someone's only technical? Like, you know, what solutions are we not getting when, when someone is only uh, high IQ? Right. Well, with my company, I used to hire people based on their technical skills alone, how technically smart they were. And when I analyzed all the problems I had in the company, like 90, 95 plus percent were because of someone's lack of emotional intelligence, not because their lack of technical skills. And this showed up with things like how they spoke with a a client uh, and how they maybe did not feel make, make the client feel understood or appreciated and how the client didn't understand what we were talking about. Therefore they couldn't understand how to fix it because my highly technical person was positioning themselves as being smarter. So this showed up, you know, externally okay. as well as internally with, with, with my own staff amongst each other. Yeah. So well, we're going to go to a sure break in, in a moment, but let me just share this. Yep. So it, it sounds like, uh, Christian, what you're saying is instead of really understanding what the, the complexity of the issue, this, you go with what the smartest person thinks. And, and so when I was asking that question, what's missing, one of the things, and we'll come back to this after the break, is you may be missing other solutions or not really even understanding the problem well. So let's, let's exactly. go to our break and, and uh, keep listening. This is Leadership Development News. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you. Voice America Business Network. Icy Tech. Like the hard-working men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. 
they have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're having a delightful conversation with author and CEO Christian Espinoza. Uh, the book that we're talking about is uh, The Smartest Person in the Room. And you can also get more details on Christian and his work at www.christianespinoza.com. That's D H R I S T I A N E S T I N O S A.com. So when we went to break, Christian and Relly, we were talking about what's missing for some of these really smart people who have high IQ but low EQ. And uh, I think everybody wants to know more about how we can help these people find what's missing. Yeah, what's missing is uh, going through your day without frustration or friction, really, more of a peace of mind. When, when you're, and then this is, I, I experienced this with my staff when I first worked on, on, on just adjusting the, 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 the challenge and doing the emotional intelligence training, my staff would be frustrated um, and had a lot of friction because they were always nervous about not being the smartest person in the room. And if that is your identity, then it causes a lot of stress and anxiety as well. So that if you don't have to worry about that, if you realize that I bring other things to the table besides just my intellect on this specific topic, for instance, then it, it makes your life uh, a lot less stressful and a lot um, easier. And your relationships are, have less tension, less friction as well. So it sounds like, uh, Christian, you've had some experiences, you know, yourself uh, with with that, like, what was your awakening to that? Was there like a, was it a, a collection of things, um, or was it any you know individual incident that said, "Oh, wait a minute, I got to kind of open this other door here"? Yeah, I, I, I think it was a not a specific 
incident for me, I think it was a collection of things. I had a specific incident in my organization of why I wrote the book. And I, I'll get to that in a second. But for me, I, I've always been focused on personal growth. So I've always taken classes and reflected. And I think one of the courses that changed me the most is probably the Landmark Forum, where ultimately what they teach you is that there's no inherent meaning in anything that it's up to you to assign a meaning, a meaning to an experience. And that just sort of like shifted my, my mindset quite a bit. And I, when I reflected back on my life, I realized a lot of these things I'd attached a, a specific meaning to that wasn't serving me uh, was, was just my choice. I changed that. And one of the things I changed was I used to believe, and a lot of highly technical people think this, that, I'm just not good with people that I, I just, I'm super book smart, but I can't or don't have the ability to, to get good with people or, or get better at my interpersonal skills. So I, I shifted that, that uh, belief as well. And then when my company, uh, about a, maybe six months, eight months after I formed the company, one of my highly technical engineers was giving me a debrief on how, a penetration test report review session with a client, a penetration test is where we hack into their environment and tell them how we got in. And my engineer kept telling me that the client just didn't get it. And uh, I'd heard that many times in my career that, you know, the client didn't understand something, the users don't understand something, but for some reason, uh, maybe because it was my company and I purely put all my money into the business basically and I didn't have any investors, it was, my personal back of the company. So I, lot, I had more skin in the game. But when I heard that, I realized that, you know what? This is my company. If my clients don't get it, they're not going to be able to become more secure. And what kind of service am I providing uh, to my clients if we're leaving them confused and frustrated because my engineer, right. who wants to be smarter than everybody, is, is not communicating in a way where the message is received? So one of the things, Christian, that I noticed that you have um, is something called the secure methodology. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some of these seven steps that you're using to give people some insight? Yeah, I developed the secure methodology based on what worked in my organization. Uh, I did a lot of training, a lot of um, uh, weekly sessions and, and what ended up working, I, I put into what I call the secure methodology because I believe that I, a lot of the challenges we have with, with interpersonal skills or emotional intelligence stem from insecurities. So I call it the secure methodology because I believe if you're secure with yourself, you're going to approach other people a lot differently because I'm also a believer that your outer world is a mirror of your inner world, basically. So there's seven steps. I put them in order. Uh, they should be, you know, in order. The first one is awareness. So having some awareness of your own model of the world, other people's model of the world, how you're triggered a certain way and you automatically run a program in your brain and how to, like, stop that, that, that program and maybe run a different one from an awareness perspective. And I talk about NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, a little bit and neuroplasticity and how to, like, change some of that. So awareness is step one. Step two is uh, mindset, 
Uh, I talk about a fixed mindset versus a growth mindset, and you want to have a growth mindset. Uh, it's kind of like in the matrix, you're given the, the red pill or the blue pill option. If you choose the red pill, uh, you're in the real world, and it's going to be uncomfortable, but you have that mindset that you can make changes versus being back in the matrix, basically. Uh, and then step three is acknowledgement. One of the things that I realized I, as a leader I wasn't very good at was acknowledging my staff when they did something right. Uh, and, and what I realized is I, I didn't acknowledge myself. So from a self-acknowledgement perspective, if I had trouble acknowledging myself, then I'm not going to be able to acknowledge my staff. And as an example, I would finish like an Ironman triathlon, which is pretty challenging. And instead of like just taking a moment to say, you know, congratulations to myself or pat myself on the back, I'd automatically be on to the next thing. And I realized that was affecting my ability to acknowledge my staff. And people want to feel appreciated and they want to feel understood. So it's important to acknowledge them. And then step four is communication. I'm a believer uh, that the meaning of communication is the response you get. So if you're not getting the proper response, the ownership is on you to alter how you communicate. Uh, and the example I gave before, if my client is just not getting, is just not getting it, the ownership is, is on my staff to alter how they're communicating so the client does get it. Uh, and step five is monotasking. Monotasking is the antithesis of multitasking. I talk about monotasking for two main reasons. One of them is productivity. You're much more productive, productive if you monotask. And the other reason is presence. Uh, when you're monotasking or having a conversation with someone, that's all you're doing. You're present, and you're going to listen better, and you're going to gain more insight because you're not being distracted. And the person is going to feel like you actually care. So from an emotional intelligence standpoint, this ties in with that obviously as well. And then step six is empathy. Uh, I talked about cognitive versus effective empathy. And as a leader, you want to be highly, have high cognitive empathy and low effective cognitive as you can take the perspective of someone else. Effective is where you feel the same as somebody else. And with most industries with empathy, I guess in the world too, we tend to focus on all of our differences uh, versus our similarities as humans and the human condition we have in common. And it's hard to be empathetic when you're purely focused on differences. And then step seven is Kaizen. Kaizen is basically constant and never-ending improvement. Uh, I, I'm a believer that a lot of people struggle with taking a new direction because they want everything to be perfect ahead of time. But when you practice or embrace Kaizen, you realize that if I take the first step as long as I have improvement in mind, which is the, what I'm going after, if this first step is in the wrong direction, I can shift directions. Because uh, a lot of people, like I said, want everything to be perfect, and perfection is the enemy of execution. And I talk about root cause analysis in that step yeah, as well. I love it. Very powerful. <laughs> yeah, these, are, these are, are really good. I mean, Kathy and I, you know, I'm sure, resonate with, with all these. And, um. So, you know, let's kind of start, you know, a little bit just kind of with the, you know, the awareness piece, because I think, like you said, they're in order. It is really also mm -hmm. around what we know about emotional intelligence. You start with self-awareness. Um, so with someone with high IQ, do you try to talk to people on your team or the people that you're coaching now about their triggers? 
because all of a sudden, when you talk about triggers, that's that self-awareness. Like, triggers? I don't have any triggers. Um, you know, how do you get them to, to kind of own some of that? Yeah, uh, that is is a challenge. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, from an awareness perspective, what, what I found effective is to have like an open uh, forum. And, and I remember we did one session with my, my company and I had a, a facilitator come in and do some training on, on triggers. And it, it turned out that one of the individuals, when you're kind of reflecting back on your life, because I think a lot of people, they're unaware of the triggers, obviously, yeah. But they're there, and, and often the trigger is a result of some trauma you had as a childhood. You don't even realize that. So trying to, like, get people to maybe think back on, on their life and what could have happened that caused the trigger. Like, one of my staff members was uh, picked on by his uh, older brother a lot for, for not being smart and not uh, having things figured out. So what I noticed, whenever he was in a meeting and somebody would ask a question he automatically thought they were trying to see if he knew the answer or didn't know the answer. So he, he, he viewed that as being picked on, uh, even though the question was just an innocent question. So that became a trigger for him. So he automatically got stressed out and automatically started figuring out how to answer so he could make the other person realize how smart he was. Uh, and that stemmed from his childhood. So you know, being able to have an open conversation about this and I think helps with identifying those triggers in people, but it's, you know, the, the person has to be willing to, to do the work and to want to be, uh, become aware of those triggers. You, you're not going to force somebody uh, into, into understanding these things if they have no interest in it. And Christian, don't you think, and this is one of the things that Relly and I focus on in our work, is giving people a language. You know, there's, there's rational intelligence and then there's emotional intelligence. And between the two is emotional literacy. <clears throat> so if you're not mm-hmm. able to get a human being that you're working with to understand that they have, and we'll call it the already always listening, because they want to be ready with a response so they don't look foolish, so that they always have an answer. If you don't give them the opportunity to learn the language of emotional literacy so that they can understand these things, then awareness and mindset and acknowledgement is terrific, but their ability to communicate and do it with empathy can really be a a double-edged sword. Hmm. Yeah, I... I, uh, Yeah. I put that out there because I'm sure teaching people a new language, right? You're so self-developed that teaching these people who are very monotasked in, in a technical world, you know, teaching them a language of humanity is very important. I'm just curious how you start that conversation. Yeah, well, it depends on, on who I'm speaking with. Uh, and in my book, I do talk about neuro-linguistic programming quite a bit. Uh, I leverage that. I, I am I'm certified in NLP. So from a 
what I've found is from a highly technical perspective, NLP uh, often can resonate with people uh, from a language perspective. You know, and, and we talk about self-talk and other things and NLP and models of the world. And you know, there's a whole language that comes along with that used to describe uh, things that I think has helped. Uh, I remember doing a couple of sessions where I brought up like the NLP presuppositions and we, we talked about them uh, as a, uh, how that affected, you know, our day and how, for instance, that, you know, that one of them is a, the meaning of communications response you get, for instance. Uh, so I, I don't know if I have a specific, you know, types of language. I like your, your, what you said about rational intelligence uh, versus, um, you know, emotional intelligence and the combination of those two is emotional brilliance. I, I think language like that is, is important because I, I know like I've used terms like soft skills versus hard skills. And, and those are actually triggers for some people uh, because, you know, this, some people would think the hard skills are easy to learn. The soft skills are hard to learn. So I've shifted based on who I talk to, to use things like interpersonal skills instead of soft skills, for instance, right. because some people find that offensive. Yeah, I think that the language Christian, probably with the NLP background also, is so important to kind of understand where somebody else is coming from, you know, and, and this is where the empathy is also kind of, better, you know, speak mm-hmm. their language. Um, I think for highly technical people and, and engineers, you know, my training is as a psychologist. And so I remember when I got into the corporate world to deal with engineers, I had to change my whole language, the representation you know, instead of saying to someone, so how do you feel about that? Which would they look at me like, what do you mean? In saying, mm. uh, often I have to say, so why don't you go inside for a minute and tell me what kind of data you're generating? You know, which would kind of resonate more with them with, than with the feeling word and those kind of things. Um, when you think about some of the smartest persons in the room syndrome that you're dealing with and, and some of the highly technical, and it sounds like you, you're well-versed in the EI model, which which are some of the key competencies do you think that are more underdeveloped for them? Like when you kind of are working with them, or the talks, or the consulting you do. Which which competencies do you think uh, need the most work on? Hey, Ralph. Before we start um, on that conversation, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. So don't go away. You're listening to Leadership Development News. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. 
EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers, with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with uh, Christian Espinoza, and that's his website, www.christianespinoza.com. His book, Smartest Person in the Room Syndrome, we encourage you to get to get that. And then before the break, Christian, we were saying from the high IQ people, what, what key competencies have you seen that they would need to focus on the most? Uh, one of them is, is uh, the awareness concept. I, I would say perspective-taking uh, if I had to like break it out from awareness, being able to take the perspective of who they're talking with or speaking with or communicating with. And then the second thing I would say is communication. And those two tie together. Uh, you kind of alluded to, you know, if I'm talking to an engineer, their model of the world from an awareness perspective is going to be different than if I'm talking to a salesperson. So when I'm communicating with them, I need to, to change how I communicate based on, their model of the world, the person I'm speaking with. And, and that's one of the, the biggest challenges with cybersecurity and highly technical people is they don't alter how they communicate and then they get frustrated when the person they're communicating with does not understand. And, and it's almost like they get frustrated, but that's also confirms that they're smarter than the other person because they're not understanding what they're, they're saying. So it's like this, you know, this weird scenario that happens. Uh, so I, if they were able to take that perspective of the other person, like if I'm talking to a client that has just been hacked, for instance, then they're probably worried about, you know, what's going to happen to their reputation. They want some clarity on what steps to take. They want some assurance that it's going to be okay. You, know, you can kind of, based on the context, uh, make some an assessment and then alter how you communicate, but that, that, that rarely happens from my experience. So maybe you can say a little bit about um, some of the physical feats that you've had and how is that, um, you know, all the ultra marathons and things, how has that uh, influenced you as, as a leader? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I do a lot of Ironman triathlons. I've done 24. And people always ask me, like, why do you do Ironman uh because it's not easy, it's painful. Uh, but what, one of the things that I like about the Ironman, for instance, is it's like a whole lifetime kind of compressed in a day. Uh, you know, it's, it takes me about 14 hours, 13 to 14 hours to do one. But for me, during the Ironman, the journey is, uh, you know, you, you feel on top of the world at some point, like, you know, you, you're on the bike, you feel great, then you feel, like, horrible, you're, like, maybe throwing up. Yeah, you know, so you go through like the ups and downs, the peaks and valleys, but then what you do is, what I do is I realize that if I just keep one foot in front of the other, for instance, during one of those valleys, then I will get beyond however I'm feeling at that point and start feeling better. And then also, like for me, I used to, to do 
to be more of a lone wolf. Uh, and from a leadership perspective, I, you know, we just think I'll just do everything by myself. And with an Ironman triathlon on the marathon part, a lot, a lot of people are struggling. Uh, and from a camaraderie perspective, there's a lot of support you can get if you just like talk to the people around you because everyone is kind of going through the same thing. It's like life. You know, we've all, we're all going through these ups and downs of life. We've all have some relationship challenges, some health challenges, whatever. Everyone, most of us have a lot of things in common. It's the same thing in a triathlon. So mm. for me, it's just given me a, a different perspective. Um, and, you know, with things like skydiving, uh, that's really given me a perspective on risk. Uh, in cybersecurity, it's really about risk management. A lot of people lose sight of that. Leadership is also about risk management. A lot of people lose sight of that as well. Uh, and, you know, when you're skydiving, uh, you have to consider risk all the time because uh, the consequences uh, can be fatal. Uh, and I think I have a, a really good perspective on risk um, from a leadership and cybersecurity perspective because of my experience skydiving. Yeah. I relate to that a lot, Christian. Um, I've only had 55 skydives, but when you are saving your own life, Every time you jump out of a plane, you get real clear about the responsibility you have for yourself. And when you're jumping with other people, the responsibility you have for keeping others safe by Mm -hmm. using your seven steps, awareness, you know, having a growth mindset, believing that you're going to enjoy it and you're going to land safely, plus the communication aspect of knowing, you know, what to do in the event something occurs that creates more risk and then, you know, having empathy for yourself, wanting to constantly improve and then having that wonderful celebration, right? When you're on the ground and learning from whatever it is you experienced on that ride and then shifting that direction when necessary. So it's, that's a beautiful metaphor uh, for your work. Just, just want to switch to the last few minutes and, you know, we believe, Riley and I believe, there is no AI without EI. I'd love for you to give us your position on that. Yeah. What I talk about in my book with artificial intelligence, uh, basically it's, it's coming for your job if you're highly technical and lacking emotional intelligence. So if you have, like you said, rational intelligence but not the emotional intelligence, the, the chance is the AI will, will replace your job. Uh, the, the thing is, AI, is, it's going to take some time, if it will ever happen, for AI to have the emotional intelligence. So from my perspective, the way to have some job security is to have that emotional intelligence because that's a skill that we can't automate at this point. We can try, um, but I don't think it's going to be uh, very simple to teach a robot how to have empathy, for instance. Um, it's, it's easier for a human to have that. In most cases, so that's a that's a great answer. Um, and especially yeah. when you're talking mm-hmm. with the smartest people in the room, you know, if you can talk about kind of the results, um, you know, that if they don't if they don't have the EI, they may not have their job. And I think when you, you you're results oriented, you know, with people who are really really smart, mm-hmm. um, that does seem to kind of get their attention. You know, it's kind of the uh, the pain point, uh, but sometimes you have to make that really obvious for them. Yeah, and the other thing I wanted to say is, you know, Relly and I, uh, we have this new platform, the Emotional Brands Academy, 
And we can deliver that with 40 different diverse avatars in almost 30 languages. And we have, Mm. you know, you have to train these avatars, um, including our own, because even when the artificial intelligence is there, if you cannot match the facial expression to the words, it doesn't work. And so that affect, that emotional capacity is something we have yet uh, to strike a balance with. And our, our friends at IBM uh, uh, who are in this area in particular have been struggling with this for many, many years. Is there anything else that you want our audience to know about you and your work, upcoming projects, anything? I have a course on the secure methodology that I'm almost done with. It should be released here in the next two weeks. Uh, It's a compliment to the book, uh, but it's uh, about nine hours of content where uh, you can take the course and the seven steps uh, each of those are covered in the course along with, you know, a beginning and an end. There's some exercises in there as well. So that will be released here shortly. It'll be available through my website. And, uh, yeah, if anyone's interested in my book, it's on Amazon and all, you know, major resellers. So, Christian, Super. I'm sure we'll follow up with you on some of the things that you're talking about because there's some great opportunities that we can help our listeners and audience. One thing before we ended, I think, that can help them when you're doing the triathlon and you're dealing with all this physical pain, uh, mental kind of you know, anguish and stuff, what's, what's some of your self-talk that allows you, especially with all of us these days with the pandemic, you know, you've you got hours and hours that you're just with yourself and you're doing something physically uh, challenging. What some of the self-talk that you found helped keep putting the next foot forward and going forward? Yeah, there's a couple things. Uh, one, I talk about this in my book, and I, I mentioned David Goggins' book earlier. Uh, he uses this concept called the cookie jar. Uh, it's how he's labeled it, where he puts his past accomplishments and things he's done that have been difficult or challenging in that jar uh, and, and, and it's not a real jar. It could be a real jar if you want to use a real jar and write it down. But for me, when I'm doing an, an Ironman from a mental standpoint or I'm climbing a mountain or something very challenging, I often think of the difficult things I've, I've overcome in the past. You know, my childhood was very difficult. The last Ironman where it rained the whole time was very difficult. You know, I think about the things I've done in the past as a reminder of what I'm capable of. Uh, so that that's one mental thing I do. The other thing is I've got enough experience and I think we all, we all, it's hard to do in the moment sometimes, but everything passes, uh, you know, and then in the pain of like an Ironman, and I kind of mentioned this before, for instance, you know, if I can get through a moment where I'm feeling horrible, the likelihood of me feeling good or or much better uh, 30 minutes later is pretty high. But it's just a matter of just keeping moving forward. Uh, and, you know, I've been in, like, on the side of the road, like, vomiting on an Ironman before on the run. And, uh, you know, I felt like quitting, but I just, like, laid there for a while and got up and slowly started walking. And then I started feeling better. So I just told myself, you know, if I can just keep one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward, uh, this will get better. And it's always gotten better. And I think with anything we go through in life, 
uh, we often, while we're going through it, we, we realize, I think this is the end of the world and this is very challenging, but if we just, you know, keep moving forward, uh, it typically gets better. That's beautiful. beautiful. And I think that that aspect, there is a lot now, you know, about where that perspective you said, you can look forward and how many more miles you got and all that kind of, or you can kind of look back from the successes that you have, the mountains you've conquered, the, the challenges that you've done. And that's really, uh, you know, satisfying. And I, I think it's really strength-producing versus kind of the next hill, you know, the anxiety-producing looking forward. So that's a, that's a yeah. beautiful thing. Well, this has been fun. I have so enjoyed listening to you, Christian, and learning more about your work. Amazing uh, that you have thought about this as a person who worked with high-tech firms for most of my career, Computer Sciences Corporation, Accenture, uh, we had the number one problem with our very smart, gifted people were their interpersonal skills and their capacity for empathy, uh, especially with mm. the technical background. So what a gift you are to all of us. Thank you. And I know, Kristen, when I think about, when I talk about smartest person in the room, you know, you, what's the reaction of other people? They, they usually just irritate people. And so if you go back to the results, it's like, is that kind of what you want to do? I mean, what's the end result of you being the smartest person in the room? You irritate people, and they don't want to work with you, and you don't hear their good ideas. Is that what you prefer? Is that kind of what you really want to see happen? And sometimes for smart yeah. people, when you lay out those results like that, you know, it can, it can help a little bit to help motivate them. Yeah, that's, so Christian, that's, that's, that's thank good. you so much for this. We'll make sure uh, we give your website again and www.christianespinoza uh, and Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-I-A-N and then Espinoza, E-S-P-I-N-O-S-A. Kathy, you want to bring us home? Yeah, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to Tune Up Your Emotional Brilliance. Please go to eblifebook backslash academy, get your free all-access pass, pass it on to your friends, ebguardians.com for law enforcement, ebwarriors for you military professionals out there. And thanks for all you do. You're all our heroes. Take good care. Till next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.